we're in the last week of a series simply entitled Choices. And it's an acknowledgement um, and a response to uh, all of the choices that we make. We make thousands of choices each and every day. And we make a lot of choices, even ones I would submit to you that we don't think do, but make a real deep and real impact in our lives and in the relationships that we have with others and the relationship that we have with God himself. And we've looked at truth regarding some of the choices that God asks us to think about and to honor his word and truth in choices like simply following and being those that he calls. What does that mean? What does that look like? Choices to speak the truth in love. Something that's getting harder and harder for followers of Jesus to do. Because it takes boldness, it takes courage. Just like standing firm on his truth. To know what it is and then to stand firm in it. Trust God in those moments. What an incredible choice to make. When you're being faced with with ridicule and and there's anxiety and doubts that start to fill your heart to, to trust God for the outcome for all kinds of things. Those are all choices that God urges us and encourages us to make. And one more, a choice that determines all other choices, a choice that all other choices flow out of, and that is the choice to love with his love. Easy, right? Easy choice to love, like spreading peanut butter on bread. Well, that's what culture says. Culture says it's really easy to love because of how it defines it. See, culture defines love how? If we're talking about loving somebody else, it's about loving me and everything that I do. That's the definition. Why? Because that's the definition that's used, by the way, of God's love. God loves me and everything that I choose to do. It fits the religion of the day, secular relativism. It fits. So God's love been redefined. And so too then, how it is that we're to love. And of course, that is really easy then, right? Because if we have no problems whatsoever with anything, then we can't mouth those words. It's like problem. We know that it's not true. And we know that that's not even how we love, and we certainly know that's not the definition of God's love. Rather, it's a cheap imitation. 
See, God's love is stronger. It's deeper. God's love takes us to places that we never dreamed we could go. God's love leads to the very best of life, rich and deep blessings. It's the love that he spoke of when he said the words in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, it's that kind of love that he was speaking about. That whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why did God send Jesus into the world? Because things weren't right. People were making choices. Choices apart from the will and the love of God. Choices that were bringing separation and division. Choices that weren't loving. God said, I want it better. I want the world to be right. I want the world to know my love. So he sent the one called Jesus so that we would know love and that we would choose love. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, this morning, as we look at truth about loving God and loving others with His love, I ask you, open your hearts. Hear the word that He brings. Receive it and know it. First, from a passage perhaps that you're familiar with, and maybe not, Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40, where God gives a command to love. Here, life-giving word of God. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Write these words in your heart. So God speaks and he shares that the first and the greatest thing that we can do is to love God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. But what does that mean? What is he saying when he says that? Well, we're going to unpack that just a little bit. And not only when he says that, but when he says what follows as well. Love your neighbor, which is who? Everybody as yourself. I want to submit to you that he's telling you just what it is that you see on the screen. He's saying to love God and love others with his love. We'll unpack that a little bit further. I, I want to ask you, so when you say that you love God... I hope that you do. Or you say that you love somebody else, maybe the person sitting next to you or someone else. What does that mean? Really? Because you say this too, don't you? Don't don't you say that you love other things? Has anybody ever said, I love pizza? 
They're the pizza lovers. The rest of you don't, I guess. What about ice cream? Anybody ever say, I love ice cream? A few more. Maybe I need to say, do you love coffee? All right, wake off. Yeah, no. Well, that means something, but it doesn't mean the same thing as when you say you love the person sitting next to you or a son or a daughter or a friend or a husband or a wife, does it? I sure hope not. See, we have one word, love, that has a lot of different meanings. It just depends on the context and how it's used and who we're speaking of or what it is that we're speaking of in terms of what we love. And we know that we know the differences when we say the word, when we say the sentences, I love pizza, and then we say, I I love my wife or my husband or a friend. It means something entirely different. Well, the awesome thing about this particular passage is it comes predefined. In the original language, the word that's used here is agape. Maybe you've heard that word. But it was one of a multitude of words for love that the Greeks had, and it was used specifically, expressly, to communicate the love of God. That's the only time that it was used even though it's used in many places in Scripture. So when you read these words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, he's saying love the Lord your God with his love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor with his love. That's exactly what it's saying. So what does that mean? What does that look like? We have some ways that we can kind of unpack that in Scripture. Maybe you know 1 Corinthians 13, called the love chapter. We use it all the time in premarital counseling and in marital counseling. It speaks about the sum of all of the parts. It lists a lot of different virtues, characteristics of what love is. And then, of course, there's this understanding of God, that God is love. That's exactly what 1 John 4.16 says, one of the shortest verses in all of, of, of Scripture. God is love. He, he is the author. He is the creator. He is the definer, the sustainer, all of the above. And so start to think about that. And these are things that we, that we know. So, so when God says, love God and love others with His love, you can start to, to unpack that in your mind and in your heart because you do it in your life. When you say that you love someone, what does that mean? Are you nasty to them? No, you're kind. 1 Corinthians 13. Does it mean that you lie to them and you're, you're deceitful? No, it means you're honest. It means that you're trustworthy. Does it mean that you love them one day and not the next? No, it means you persevere. It means you give grace, forgiveness. 
All of these things that we know constitute a deep and a strong relationship are virtues of the love of God. That's how he defines it. And then it goes beyond that. Thinking about God himself. Who is God? I want to invite you to come next week. New series, Knowing God. That'll be the first thing that we cover. The attributes and character of God. But you know some right now, right? What does the word say about who God is? And I want to invite you, if you have a concordance in, in your Bible, or you can look it up, there, there are hundreds, hundreds in the back of my, my, my Bible here in the concordance. There's hundreds of references of love, and a lot of them are linked directly to God and who it is that he is. And it speaks of love that way then. Hundreds of them that say God's love is unfailing and calls us to love unfailingly, always, constantly, 24-7. His love's eternal. He, he doesn't love you today and not tomorrow. What a blessing that is, huh? It's profound, and so you start to think about that as we look at the definition of love and what we're called to do. And it's holy and it's pure, isn't it? The love of God. That's what he, he, when he called the nation of Israel to be his followers, he said, I'm going to set you apart. I want you to be different. I don't want you to do the things that the world does. That call is the same today. I have called you. If you have the name of Jesus, if you know Jesus, I have called you to be different. I will give you my love, a whole, unconditional, pure, and holy love. Freely. In fullness. You can have it. But I call you to go and to be. And to love me with the same love that I give to you. And to love others in the same way. I I want you to start to continue and just think about that. What does it mean? What does it mean to love? What does it mean to love the people in my house? What does it mean to love the neighbor? What does it mean to be that cranky? What does it mean? And keep unpacking the fullness of it, day in and day out. And when we start to to realize that and we start to think about that, is this not also true? That loving God and loving others with His love is hard. Indeed it is. We know it's true simply because we're called to love that way. And we know ourselves. We know how we love. We know how we fall short. Now, when I look at people and I see people, 
When I think of people that God has placed in my life, I praise Him because they do a great job at loving. And yet, that's not saying it's easy. That's where part of, of the application of loving somebody, according to the world's definition and God's definition, that's where they part ways. It's always harder to do what is best. It takes guts, it takes courage, it takes fortitude. And loving as God loves and loving with His love is no different. Parents, is that not true? So if um, you were to tell your children from the time they were little, and by the way, culture is espousing some of this, go and do whatever you want. It's okay. I love you. What would that look like? If you truly did let your child do whatever they wanted to with no boundaries, no rules. I think you have a sense of that. Is that really loving someone? No, because we know what happens when they get, quote-unquote, in the real world. And when they start to love somebody, a friend or somebody else, or, or later on in life, and they do, they do, they learn that's what love is, and they do whatever they want. It's not practical, it's not real. And everyday life says, not so. And yet that's... That's the cheap imitation that we're giving. That's what we're being sold in our world and in our culture. Even though we know that, that there's no way in the world it's just a joke. I, I'm just being honest. When you raise your children, you have rules and boundaries. Why? Because you love them. And you teach them what it means to be kind. And you teach them what it means to be trustworthy. And you teach them what it means to be honest. Why do you do it? Because you love them. Is that not true? There are virtues and characteristics that you want to instill in their heart that come, I submit to you, from the Word of God. And you want to trust them. It's one of the things I told my kids always. I want you to do these things, not because I tell you to. I want you to do these things because you love me like I love you. The very best of love that brings incredible relationships and deep and strong moments and blessings. That's why it thrills my heart to stand up here this morning and to see a man and a woman make promises to God about who their child is going to be.
that they're going to choose to love that little girl with the love of God. I, I am filled with joy. It won't be easy, but it'll be great. So it is when we choose to love. See, loving that way is the only way that real change and transformation takes place. And yet it is hard. Luke 9 says this, If anyone come after me, they must deny themselves, take up the cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life must lose it. And whoever loses their life will save it. And then he goes on and he speaks about relationships. And he speaks about how sometimes loving him, remember that's the priority, right? What's the first and the greatest commandment? I just read it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor, meaning everyone. Check out the parable of the, uh, of the um, Good Samaritan. Luke 10. But he says, when you choose to do that, it's going to pit you against other people. Because other people are not going to define love that way. And other people are not going to love you that way. And it's not just friends and neighbors, it's family members. It's parents, moms and dads. It's sons, it's daughters. Who choose to define love differently. And who call you to love according to those definitions. That's why speaking about the cross. Is love and loving people with the love of God easy? Now just look at the cross. There's your answer. Do you think it was easy for God to send His one and only Son to die? Would it be easy for you? And then to die for, for people who had no desire to even have a part of a relationship with Him? Let alone those who would? No, it's hard and it's incredibly hard. And the living of life, we're called to make those choices. And I tell you from the bottom of my heart, it is not easy. But God speaks. And He shares truth um, to help us in all that. I want to read the words to you from Ephesians 3 verses 14 to 19 these words contain incredible truth as well Ephesians 3 14 to 19 for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name it's a relationship there. Father, family, sons, daughter. And I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. What a beautiful, beautiful passage and promise. And it's a how-to. Two things that are spoken of in that passage that are connected to loving with His love. And the first is this, and you see it in verses 16 and 17. It it speaks about the presence of the Holy Spirit. About God giving to us that incredible gift. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. That's the promise that Jesus gave just before He died to his disciples, to all believers, that free gift. And that's the start of it. How can you love with his love if you don't have it in the first place? Not possible. That explains a lot of things. That's a promise and that's a call that God gives. You know, one of the things that I thought about when, when I was on the cusp of, of getting married, um, when, when I had asked my wife to marry me, and I thought about my, who I was, and I earnestly wanted to be um, the best husband that I could be. And I thought about that, and I thought about all of the dumb stuff I do and the ways that I fall short. And then I remember very distinctly having a long conversation with God, and I asked him earnestly, I pleaded, I begged with him, and I still do. I cannot do this. I am a flawed human being. I have flawed love. God, will you give me yours? Because that's what she deserves. That's who who I want to be to her. Somebody who loves her in a way that I can't. And there's only one way that can happen. If you give me your love to give to her. Now I still mess it up. But but that's that's the way, folks, in which we can love with his love. We gotta have it, we gotta ask for it, we gotta seek it, we gotta be filled with it. And it comes through the indwelling of his spirit. That's the first part. You can't give what you don't have. And even if it's that kind of a motivation, boy, it'll change everything. Having the presence of Jesus Christ in your heart and in your life, don't believe me, try it. See if it's not true. And coming right on the heels of this is what follows and connected to it. Because if Jesus Christ is in your heart and in your life, so will his love be. And it will bring change and transformation. Romans 12, 1 and 2, awesome passage, look it up. He says this, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, so you have it, the roots of his love are in your heart, if he is the Christ of you, the Lord and the Savior. And then he says this, may you have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep, and then to know this love. That, that's, that's next. 
being rooted and established, knowing his love. And and so what does he say about his love? What does he call us to? Do you know his love? Do do you know it in a way that, that you see it in evidences of that in your heart and in your life? I'm sure that you do in a lot of ways. But there's so much more. Again, 1 Corinthians 13, all of those virtues. Uh, Being respectful, being trustworthy, trusting, persevering, protecting, caring for all those things in your heart and in your life and the relationships that you share with other people and God. Holiness, purity. Do you love God enough to make good choices, spiritual choices, holy choices or not? That's simple. You think about that with other people. The kind of choices that you make because you love a person. And keeping them accountable. One of the things that we really struggle with in a lost and hurting world is the love by God. To keep people accountable to truth. To being. To loving with His love. Confronting. Follow through. Not giving up. Clearly defining what it looks like and what it means and calling people to confession and repentance to change, transformation. That's what love's given for, right? The love of Jesus Christ. To change us all. So that we would, as the word says, be holy as he is holy. To make better choices. To do different things in our heart and in our life. The more that we know his love in our heart and in our life. The more that we're rooted and established in it. The more that we're able to love. We can't even do it yourself first. You all hire everybody, everything out. You know, one of, the, one of the consummate tools for a do-it-yourselfer is a power driver. Anybody ever use one? Oh, my goodness. Thank you, John. Yes. Use a power driver. A power driver has a lithium battery. At least most of them today do. So I want to ask you, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, and you have your power driver, and you go to fix something, but you don't have a battery, is anything going to happen? No. You know, haul out your power driver, you want a battery, you're like, oh my goodness, no battery. Nothing's happening today. The source of all our power, of all our capability to love is the presence of Jesus Christ. What happens when you have that power driver and it starts to run low? Are you real thrilled and happy about the performance? Oh no. You got some hard things to fix, some deep screws, you know? nothing you want a battery that's fully charged right that's able to do the job so does God and so he beckons us and he calls us to know and to be filled And I don't even know if this is possible, but it's certainly something to strive for. 
the last words of verse 19. I've repeated them to myself many, many times. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, and then this, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. I wonder what that would look like. To love so much that you'd be filled with the fullness of the measure of God's love. I know what it looks like for God to love me. He reveals it in His Word. And we see it on the cross. But I wonder all the time what it would look like for me to love like that. To have that be in my heart. For that to be who I am. I'm not there yet. But I'm trying. And that's an invitation and an encouragement that he gives to everybody here. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are a good and an amazing God. We thank you for your unconditional and eternal love. Lord, for the way that you stick with us, that you bear with us and you give grace and you give forgiveness. And how sometimes you let us go. Free will. To make choices that grieve your heart. But Lord, we praise you for your presence to help us to make choices that you love. And Lord, I ask, I ask that you'd stir our hearts today. Help us to wonder. Help us to ask, O Lord, for your help. Help us to seek, O Lord, that fullness of the measure of your love so that we can be, so that we can make choices to be pure and holy, so that we can make choices, O Lord, to make what is wrong right, so that we can reconcile so that we can change by the power of your Spirit to be more loving, not by the world's standards, not according to their definition, but by your very presence, your being, your word and your truth, so that we would love with your love. I'll praise, glory, and honor to your name.